you've got to ask directly, in my opinion. That's the best way to get down to the heart of it is, you know, what standard of care do you use? Do you fall under the suitability standard or do you fall under the fiduciary standard? When you're giving me advice, what hat are you wearing to represent me and my best interest? I think that's the best way to get down to the brass tacks of it. help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for your Retirement Elevated. How do you pronounce it? We're going to be talking about it on today's show and give you all the details. Walter Storholt here with you. Welcome to another edition of Your Retirement Elevated with Scott Dugan, co-founder and managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group, serving you throughout the Kansas City metro area, but of course also serving clients all across the country. You can find past episodes and more information at listentoscott.com. All right, Scott, I've heard it many different ways. Fiduciary, 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 and many other combinations of this word. Um, And it seems that few people are able to pronounce the financial buzzword fiduciary correctly, let alone define it, describe it, and how it impacts their financial world. Yet it is a really important thing to grasp and understand. So today, I want to learn from you what's the correct way to pronounce that word and explore why it's an important standard for you and other financial advisors and professionals across the country and the world to kind of embrace, embody, and abide by uh, this principle. So, yeah, what, what do you think? What's your, what's your pronunciation? Well, my, my first thought is it may not be the correct way to pronounce it, but I do enjoy the Southern draw or Southern accents <laughs> that you apply to the last one. So I do like that one. We, we, but, must, uh, we must know a few of the same colleagues who pronounce it that way. Fiduciary. Fiduciary. <laughs> we're south of the Mason-Dixon line, and we're going to pronounce it that way. So, no, it's, um, it's an interesting word, and you know we talk about it uh, in our practice and it's one of those things that we all understand it internally, um, but it's always good to remind folks, you know, the listeners, our clients, what those differences are and then why is it important. So today's going to be a short uh, podcast, but at fiduciary, it, at the heart of that term is really, it's about putting someone's best interests first. It's being on the same side of the table as your client, as you're representing someone's best interest. So when you go to a CPA, they're a fiduciary and they're doing what's in your best interest to prepare your tax return. If you go to an estate planning attorney, they need to recommend things that are in your best interest and fit your situation. It's regardless of their how they're compensated, okay? And because that, that introduces what's called conflicts of interest. And so you wanna make sure that someone is not making recommendations based on a benefit to the person that's recommending things. Right? So if you think about the world of advice giving and then making decisions, and I use this story, this analogy all the time, is that if, let's say that you're, you're a Ford vehicle person, you, you dislike Fords, and you're, let's say you're interested in the new Ford Bronco, which are pretty cool. Yeah, those are uh, cool. <laughs> they're very good looking. Now, if you go down to the GMC dealership, the Cadillac GMC dealership, and you say, you know what, I, I really like those Ford Broncos. What do you think the chances of you walking out of there 
purchasing a Ford Ronco from the GMC dealership. Uh, only good if they've got a used one that they're just trying to get rid of that somebody traded in, but probably not very good. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> they're going to spend their time talking to you about the merits of what they have to offer. And what they have to offer is dictated by the company that they work for. So if they work for General Motors dealership, guess what? They provide and sell General Motors products. And so General Motors provides those to the dealership and General Motors has shareholders. They have people that own stock. General Motors, their obligation is to the shareholders, the people that own it. So the dealership is the distributor. They get it to the dealership and the dealership has to represent that car line. And their job is to connect people with their products and get those products in the hands of consumers. All right. So that that's how a car dealer works. Okay, it's a great analogy. I, I guess it, we'd be walking home with a blazer probably, right? Not a, yeah, a Bronco. Pr- yeah, pr- probably a blazer. And yeah. that would be a tough sale because the Broncos are way cooler than, <laughs> than that. Or Tahoe, I guess it would be. Something like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know my General Motors cars very well. Yeah. Uh, well, it's hard to keep up with who's merged with whom at this point, right? Y- yes. And so if you think about the world of financial advice giving, uh, there are really two worlds that operate. Uh, there's called the, the world of suitability or the suitability standard of care and the fiduciary standard of care. And it's really the fiduciary standard of care is when you engage with an advisor, if there are any conflicts of interest, they're clearly outlined and they are disclosed before any type of relationship is entered into. All right. So it's everything on the table. That fiduciary is there to guide you through the process to pick out the things the strategies, the investments that are in your best interest that make your plan have a high probability of success. And that advisor should not be paid differently for those recommendations. That's why we charge a percentage of assets that we manage. Why? Because if you're conservative or aggressive, we get paid the same amount. And the better that you do with those chosen strategies, the better we do. So we are connected in that example. And if we make changes or give you recommendations to make changes internally, it's because that's our job. We're keeping you on track. It's not to generate additional revenue. And of the million people that are quote, licensed to give you financial advice, it's only about 15, 20% of us that are actually, that fall under that fiduciary standard. The other 80, 85% fall under the suitability standard, which simply means that advisor works for a company. That company has an agreement or agreements to distribute certain strategies or products, and they get paid accordingly. And if you look and do your research, there's a lot of companies out there that have their disclosures, and it actually discloses where they're making revenue and what their advisors make, you know, to to recommend certain things and certain incentives. So, like it doesn't make one better than the other. It doesn't make them bad. It's just understanding that if you're going to what's called a registered representative or a stock broker, they are paid to broker investments from a certain company to you, the consumer. They have to follow risk standards. They have to make sure it's legal, but they don't necessarily have to assure you that it's in your best interest. So a, a big difference from that. And so again, in my opinion, uh, when I go out to seek 
advice, you know, for whether it's taxes, uh, whether it's legal. I want someone that has my best interest at heart. Same thing with financial planning, retirement planning, investment selection. I think it's in probably your best interest as well to make sure that the person that's giving you that advice, they have an, a mutual incentive. They've got a relationship where you do better, they do better, and they're doing and giving you advice continually to make sure you stay on track. It's great to uh, know that those differences exist, to be aware of them, to be on the lookout for them. Scott, is there an easy way to spot these kinds of things? Like, I know that we've talked before about different designations among financial advisors. Is there a way to see one of those designations and know, oh, okay, that person's automatically going to have this X uh, responsibility to me, whether it be suitability or fiduciary? Or is it a little bit more complex than that? It's a little more complex. I, I okay. would tell you that the best defense that you have is to ask. Now, if someone's a Series 65, Series 66, that is basically a, it's not a designation, it's a SEC, you know, it's a test that you take and you get the ability to offer advice, that's a 65, 66. If someone's a registered representative, uh, that usually means they're under the suitability standard. Uh, the only designation that gives you uh, the fiduciary or under the fiduciary standard is the Certified Financial Planning Designation, or the CFP, which we've probably all heard of. Uh, with that, just be careful, um, because you could be a CFP with a Series 65, but you could also be a registered representative and sell things for a commission, uh, like uh, variable annuities, variable life insurance, uh, mutual funds for, for a commission. And so, again, you've got to ask directly, in my opinion, that's the best way to get down to the heart of it is, you know, what standard of care do you use? Do you fall under the suitability standard or do you fall under the fiduciary standard? When you're giving me advice, what hat are you wearing to represent me in my best interest? I think that's the best way to get down to the brass tacks of it. So really moral of the story, don't be hesitant to ask how your advisor gets paid. That all should be above board. It doesn't have to be some hidden secret. Absolutely. And that's why we have an investment advisor agreement. It clearly states what the rules of engagement are. No surprises. I mean, that, and that's the way it should be. Very good. Uh, anything else we should know about fiduciary and uh, the suitability standards? I know we could probably spend uh, an hour plus on the topic if we wanted to go deep, but uh, to keep it high level for folks listening today. Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously you want to, you know, what standard do you use? How are you paid? And I always think there, there's five critical questions to ask anyone that's giving you, you know, financial recommendations really to help you determine, hey, do you need to review your plan? And very quickly, uh, number one is, you know, have you adequately reviewed my personal financial situation to make sure that what you're recommending is truly in my best interest? Have you looked at everything? Have you looked at my tax return? Have you looked at my investments, my costs, all those pieces, my estate? Uh, have you looked at those? So Number just because somebody's a financial advisor doesn't mean that they are going to do those things. Correct. And that okay. should, if your advisor has not looked through your tax return prior to making recommendations, you may ask why. Red flag. Red flag. Okay. And a lot of it is because if they're on that suitability side, a lot of them can't are prohibited from doing that, you know, from looking at a tax return. Now, we don't do tax preparation. We don't fill out forms. We don't advise people how to fill out those forms. We do tax planning, which is essentially making moves to affect how much taxes you're going to pay this year and possibly going forward. That's what tax planning is. 
That's number two. You know, how will your plan affect my tax return each year? And are there future tax issues that you need to be concerned about? Uh, a lot of times people say, defer, defer, defer. Let's put all this money away and defer the taxes because when I get retired, I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket. Well, if you've been retired for a while, you may understand, you know that that's probably not going to be true. All right. So we want to make sure what we're doing today is it have repercussions in the future from a tax perspective. Uh, number three, how will your plan affect my income and liquidity needs in the future? Hey, we need income, we need a paycheck, and we need an emergency fund to bail us out when the curveballs of life happen. Okay, so you know, if you're, someone's recommending something, is that going to affect those two things? Number four, has your plan match up with my risk comfort level? My uncle point, you know, people are most concerned about the fluctuation of the value of their savings. Some people can handle a lot of fluctuation. Some people can handle very, very little that has to be put into play to make sure their plan is adequate to keep them on track with their retirement. And then five, this is a big one. You know, how will your plan affect the transition of my estate to my beneficiaries or heirs and making sure that everything is set up correctly and you making sure that your, your retirement plan, your income plan, your tax plan are all in concert with your estate plan to make sure that your money is as efficient and effective to take care of you while you're alive. But we also want to make the, for the planning that distribution to the next entities or generations also as efficient and effective as possible. So ask those five questions plus what suitability standard or fiduciary standard. I think you're well on your way to making sure you're getting solid advice. Very good. If you've got questions about this, don't hesitate to reach out to Scott, talk a little bit about uh, the fiduciary standard and questions about suitability, how that all works. Ask him specific questions about the firm at Elevated Retirement Group. Uh, he'll be above board with answering all of those kinds of questions and be able to help provide any additional clarity to you. Uh, so we are in agreement. It is fiduciary would be the correct name, uh, the way of pronouncing it. But, you know, you don't have to pronounce it correctly if you come in and meet with Scott and chat with him. If you want to pronounce it any way you want to, that's that's totally fine with us, right? Absolutely. And if you want to use that Southern draw, the Yosemite Sam type of uh, right. draw at the end, do it. Yeah, it might be easier to remember it that oh, That fiduciary thing. Bring it on uh, in. I'm from the I like South. It. I can talk like that. It's okay. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll allow that as acceptable for Walter to do that. We're poking fun at ourselves here. So, yes, yes, it's yes. okay. It's okay. Uh, very good. If you want to get in touch again, 913-393-4724 is the number. That's 913-393-4724. Great way to start the conversation with Scott is to schedule a 15-minute discovery call. Spend 15 minutes going over your situation, kind of a get-to-know-you meeting, and you can find out a little bit more about each other and whether you'd be a great fit. Get some of those initial questions answered. Very easy to just sort of enter into that conversation that way. No commitment, no cost for that. Uh, limited spots available though because those do take up time on the calendar so uh, if you want to meet in the near future give a call 913-393-4724 or go online to listen to scott.com or check the show notes of today's episode for additional contact information scott we appreciate the help have a good one and uh, we'll talk to you soon looking forward to it we'll see everybody next time right back here on your retirement elevated Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.